Hey, it's Sam. If I'm going to be honest with you, I have always wanted to do a show like Sam Cook Live. I mean, for a really long time, it was just a dream, and now it's a reality. So if you like what I'm doing and you have a few spare dollars a month, you can support the show and get some really cool stuff too. Patreon.com slash Sam Cook Live is where you need to go. For a $3 a month donation, you could become the insider. It'll get you discount codes to products featured on the show and other special offers. Plus, you'll be entered into exclusive draws for monthly giveaways. For $5 a month, you become a VIP. You could submit questions to be used in a monthly Q&A video and or mini, plus the discount codes and the chance to win some cool stuff. For $10 a month, you could become a Sam Cook Live Elite. It's the elite package. You get everything I just mentioned, plus you can get a credit of executive co-producer for Sam Cook Live. It's a great way to be part of the show, and I'd love to have you on board. All the details are at patreon.com slash samcooklive. That's patreon.com slash samcooklive. Hey guys, what's up? It is Sam, and I am hanging out in studio today with Jay Perry. He has got some very interesting stories from being arrested. Hello, we're going to talk about that. Plus, he is the author of this book, My Dad Got Sick, a caregiver's point of view of when his dad went through the journey of cancer. So we're going to talk about all that and more on Sam Cook Live. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. This is Sam Cook Live. All right, so we are here with Jay Perry, and I'm so excited to have you here today. You know why? Why is that? When I first started this podcast, everybody would write me and say, I have the perfect guest for you. I know the perfect person. You gotta have this person. And a lot of people wrote me and said, you gotta get this guy named Jay Perry. <laughs> really, truly. And I thought, okay. And I knew of you, right. but I didn't know how many fantastic things you've done in your life. So then I started to research you and thought, I definitely have to have this guy on my podcast. I mean, really, you truly are amazing. You've written this great book and it's called My Dad Got Sick. And this is basically a journey that you took right. with your father during his journey with cancer. Yeah, thank you to those people who mentioned that I should be on here. I mean, that's quite the thing to live up to. But yes, uh, this is a book I wrote. Um, that I became a caregiver for my father who was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in early 2013. And yeah, it was, it was an easy decision to make. So this is a book based on my experiences as a caregiver. And that experience was only supposed to last nine months. And we almost tripled that. So it's filled with all this knowledge around the caregiving world that I hope to pass on to other caregivers. Now, I'm going to talk to you about this in just a second. Okay. But I kind of want to take people on a journey of how you started. And so you were just a guy. Uh, still, still am a guy. Still, still a guy. Yeah. You were just as a guy. Still a know. guy. Yeah. Um, just doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, photography. Photography. And I noticed on your website that you were taking photographs of some major celebrities. Like I think I saw Snoop Dogg in there. Yeah. Yeah. He's... Yeah, um, yeah. I've been doing photography for the past ten years. I would say um, a lot of athletes, um, professional athletes in Toronto, photographing them. Some people like Snoop Dogg, and it's been it's been very exciting. The people have 
got to meet at the start i was very starstruck at these people really yeah it's hard not to be it's like my very first shoot with a professional athlete uh, I was like, this is so cool. Um, this is a guy I watch on TV, I look up to, and now I'm photographing him. And he's also like six foot eight. Is he really? Um, I didn't know he was that tall. Not Snoop Dogg. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, one of the basketball Wait, players. Snoop, I was like, oh. One of the basketball players I was shooting. I was actually, there's a photo of me standing on a chair shooting him so I could get at a, a height that I needed. Um, but yeah, the novelty of, of shooting these uh, celebrities wore off, and it just became a job after that. Yeah. Um, a job that I enjoy. But the the starstruckness uh, definitely wore off. I mean, I'm starstruck sitting here. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think you've done so many amazing things yourself. Um, When this uh, podcast aired, and I I looked into it and started going back on your YouTube videos, I mean, you're singing (laughs) uh, something that I would love to learn how to do. Uh, You've got it all. So. Short and short, thank you for having me on. Oh, hey, no problem. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, no problem. And, you know, I'm a little starstruck too. And, and actually, um, just like this book and the journey that you've been on is something that a lot of people can relate to. But it's just, it's something that's so personal and you've shared it with people. And one of the things that I also think that you've done that's just so heartwarming is Haiti. Let's talk about that for a second because this is something that people I'm sure would love to do. Like, how did this happen? So obviously the earthquake happened in 2010. Yeah, yeah. How did you get from here to there? So the the quick story, which is still kind of a long story, uh, I think it was in 2009, uh, I started out in photography, bought my first camera mm-hmm. and I uh, wasn't getting any work. Um, and then shot a friend's wedding, got arrested, Went to jail for a bit and then uh, went to Haiti. So, <laughs> uh, uh, stop. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so, um, I I thought you had said you got arrested. What? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it was I think I think it was 2009. Um, I was at a friend's wedding. I had volunteered my services to shoot his wedding. Okay. And um, to make that story short, um, I ended up getting arrested that night for impaired driving and um thrown in jail for the for the night and um i i was driving home from the wedding and i wasn't sure if i was um drunk or just tired because i'd been up so since like 5 a.m had a few beers so i decided to pull over on the side of the road and sleep instead of go home um i thought the responsible thing to do and the next thing i knew a cop was knocking on on my window and i found myself in a jail cell for the next x amount of hours or day um yeah it was an interesting experience um i still remember just like lying on that steel bed um what that was doing to me and thinking like i don't belong here and and i'm here there was a sense of embarrassment that came on me um to my family uh and i just remember them taking my belt my shoes and just feeling like real low real low point in my life and to make matters even worse, the next thing I knew, they opened my jail cell door and they're like, your parents are coming to pick you up. And I was like, who, who called them? You know, I, I didn't tell you to call them. How do you, how do you know that? Um, so my mom and dad came to pick me up and it was my mom's birthday. So it's like, happy birthday, mom. Like, Yay, <laughs> you know, I'm in jail, your perfect son. Yeah, she's crying and then like led me to tears. Uh, so it led me down a road of like, hitting rock bottom and it, it sucks because like growing up I played a lot of sports and um, 
I, I was playing high level sports and like winning a lot. So like my room is filled with trophies since day one growing up and I was on this path to success and all of a sudden uh, now I'm in jail, right? So it, it was something that I thought wasn't supposed to happen to me, but changed my life um, big, big time. So I went down this real nasty hole of depression, couldn't do any photography work. So um, I did find a photography job and I was shooting nightclubs. Uh, in if anyone's from Hamilton, um, in Hess Village, uh, I was shooting nightclubs in there, getting paid seventy five dollars a night in cash. Now, that money sucks, right? Even back then, even. But what killed me was kind of like uh, I went to college, and I was a college graduate making seventy five dollars right. a night. Right. But it's crazy how once you start looking at things in a different light, how amazing things started happening. So once I started trying to figure out a way to put a positive spin on everything, that led to meeting a promoter at the club, getting friends with him, and then him finding out that, so I went to college for architecture, Mm -hmm. that I had a background in architecture. He bought a house, I helped him renovate the house, which I met his parents through. His parents had come to see the house, uh, I thought they were on vacation. Turns out they were in Haiti helping build schools. Oh, so I was like, how can I come with you? Because I think that's something that I would love to do. Because I, I turned into a little bit of selfish way in terms of uh, I felt giving back could probably make me feel better in a right, sense. Yeah. And I'd always want to go to a third world country and help out kids. That's something I'd always love to do, the travel and the experience. So that's how I got to go to Haiti was through this organization. And it was really eye-opening because I was going on this mission mission trip to help build schools, and it wasn't for you know eight or ten months away. Um, five months later, they were kind of like, "Okay, if you want to come, here's the two thousand dollar bill to come with us." I was like, "What do you mean two thousand dollars? Like I'm going to help out. Aren't you paying oh, for me? Yeah. What do you mean I got to pay for this? Yeah. This whole this whole experience was new to me, uh, and I was kind of put off by it, but found the money and went to Haiti and what an experience that was an incredibly eye-opening and what turned out I didn't know um a photo that I took there that would change my life I saw this photo yeah and it is unbelievable and I think if you just uh it's on your website uh, I, 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 I believe so yeah um, and, and it's uh, explain the photo because uh, I came across it, and I believe as well you were in a couple articles because of this photo yeah, yeah. as well. And it's just, I mean, it tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, so what happened was we went to an area called Happiness Alley, which ironically is one of the poorest areas in Haiti. And this area, I mean, they they have to create land there because it's just so many people on top of each other and to create land they take garbage and they just pile it in the water and just stuff it down until it creates some sort of firm structure that they can build another house on so it's that kind of place and Hmm. once they see people um come through that's just all these kids just attract them because they want money right they think you've got money and they want and then there was this little girl that was just at my side she was just wouldn't leave my side i didn't know why and i had my camera i just looked down and snapped a photo of her at the second when she was looking up at me like grabbing your leg yeah and uh i didn't think anything of it at the time until i got home and i started going through my images 
and edited that photo and put it out there. And that photo got picked up by all these magazines and blogs and started winning awards. And that's the photo that got my name out there in the photography world. And ever since then, um, work started coming in because my name was getting recognized by a lot of people. So I owe so much to that little girl and that moment. And I'm not a big believer in fate because um, I just I don't like to believe that I'm not in control of my own destiny. But I don't know why I was there and she was there at that time. And I just looked down at that moment and she was looking up and it's just her eyes that, that capture from for me. Um, yeah, she changed my life significantly. Now, I heard too that you actually helped pay for her schooling. Yeah, so um, I went down a second time uh, a year or two later um, with the same group with the hope, or not the hope, but the to help build schools again because that's what this organization does right. and that's what I wanted to do. But I asked them, I'm like, can we take half a day and try and find her? Because I want to say thank you. And I had printed a, a big photo, um, canvas print of the image. Oh, um, of you and her? No, of the photo of her that I took. Oh, the, oh, yeah, Because yeah. I wanted to give it to her family. And so we, yeah, we, there's this whole, there's actually a video on the journey. Um, we started going to try and find her. And we went on this mission. Uh, ended up finding her mother who was selling chocolate bars at the side of the road. She hopped on the back of the truck. We found her at school. Uh, and her school was so far away from where they live. And... They came out of school and, um, yeah, I presented them with the image and she remembered it, um, me somehow, her mother did. And then, um, yeah, I asked if, if it was okay if I sent her to school, you know, visit her. Yeah. Hold uh, Can you just open that door? Yeah, Do you mind? Yeah, just no, let her in. Okay. Come on, Madison, come in. Um, so her, her mother said for sure, and it was going to be $25 a month for me to send her to school. And what that would do was that would alleviate the tuition her mother was already paying, but also get her to go to a school um, down the street versus walking like an hour there. That little back. girl was walking yeah, an hour? Yeah, her, really? Her and, her um, and uh, yeah, so so it got her closer to school, got her, her books, got her a meal every morning. and um, for, What was it for $25? $25 a month. A month? So, yeah. Not a day? No, a month. So oh. that small investment, I mean, she's brought me back so much more than that just because of that photo. So it was, honestly, it was the least I could do for her. Um, I don't like to talk about it too much because it's like, um, I'm proud that I could do that, but it's not something I just want to like put out in the world a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I did feel bad at one, at one point because uh, I asked if I could do that. And then I realized it's like, Oh no, her sister's standing right beside her. And I was like, did I just separate them from school? I'm like, oh man. And I think somebody who was like standing beside me could tell like the the, the, the panicked yeah, look on your like, face. What did I just do? And, I, and then it was like snowball, like, do I sponsor them both? What, what do I do? What do I do? And then while I was thinking that, the this this guy, Mike, he he jumped in and was like, you know what, if you're gonna do that, I wanna sponsor her sister. <gasps> just so we keep them together. I'm like, oh, oh that's yeah. see, that's great. That was, that was amazing. That yeah. that's that is absolutely amazing. And I know a lot of people always say that they want to help and they want to do stuff. So can how can people help if they want to? Do you know? Is there a way that they can? Yeah, there's a ton of organizations. The one that I was going with was called Starfish Kids. And they take care of all that, 
all that for you. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because like a lot of people I think want to do it. If I didn't meet her, I don't know if I would have done it without meeting somebody. And, and I get that, right? I created a special bond with her. Right. And I, I felt somewhat responsible for for her future because she shaped mine so significantly. Right. And I wanted to be that person for her. And, you know, I'd get um, updates, reports, how she was doing, um, updated photos of her. It's funny, I went back the, a third time to Haiti. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did not know any of this. And uh, this is a crazy story. And if I talk too much, just shut just No, no, I, I, I actually really love it. I love uh, it. So went back a third time, and a year and a half later, I think after the second time. And I said to them, I was like, you know, I just want one day where I can go find her and say hi. I had this whole backpack of stuff for the family. And uh, we planned a day to go find him. And then when that day came, something came up and we couldn't go. And I was bummed out, right? So there we went, we were kind of in the area because the group I go with, they run an orphanage down there. So we were in the orphanage and I was just sitting outside with a bunch of the kids, just bummed out. And I, I don't know where, this was so crazy. I don't know where I look up and she's standing right in front of me, right in front of me. And I was like, this is so crazy. That yeah, is. Yeah. And um, what had happened was there was a pastor there who heard I was trying to find her and knew her cousin or, or somehow knew where she was. And he paid somebody $10 to go get her, <laughs> to bring her to see me. And I was like, $10, that's a lot of money for you. You could you could feed so many people with that $10. Like, why did you do that? And I, I approached him after and I was like, you know, thank you, but, you know, let me repay that money. Plus, you know, here's $20 yeah. just to say thank you for what you did because you just made my trip 100%. And he wouldn't accept the money. He's like, I'm going to... I know how much this can feed your family, your families, yeah. and please accept it. And he wouldn't accept it. So I finally said, okay, if you don't take it, I'm going to give it to somebody to get to your church. So you either let me do that or you take it and spend it on the things you need yeah. for your church. Yeah. So you'll know how to spend it more wisely than this other person. So I felt... So he finally said, okay, you know, yeah. thank you. And it, it was such a magical moment because I wasn't sure if she re would remember me, but she did. And then she quickly warmed up to me and she was sitting beside me. And like, there's a photo of her, uh, like tracing my tattoos with her finger Aww. and like leaning on me. Um, so it was, it was like a, a magical moment for me because um, what made me very happy is that she looked healthy and she was alive because kids in that area it's like one in three kids don't make it to eight years old really and uh we didn't know how old she was at the time but she she looked good and she was smiling so that that made me feel good what's her name uh, her name she had an awesome name so her name is Ket ketien love that's her first name really yeah yeah oh it's wild yeah so that that it's an unbelievable story honestly it's uh yeah i'd recommend anyone going to kind of like a third world country to help out and give back um, because it's it's really eye-opening and life-changing. Um, as long as you're involved in, in doing something productive or significant, I think that there's a lot of like these groups that are doing it that are very like 
tourism based it's almost like hey come look at this and look at everyone that's poor and this could be you or give me your money yeah right yeah so but if you go with the intention of helping them do something um, build schools build orphanages build homes there's a lot of programs that can do it i think even if you go with the intention that if you're feeling down it might help you there's that selfishness about it but i think that's okay because in the end um people who need the help are getting it right and the answer is not money just giving people money is not the answer to fixing their problems and i think that a lot of um, north american culture and thinking is let's pay to fix that right it's like no let's pay to teach them something yeah teach them how to yeah work for themselves Mm -hmm. get get some sort of technical training on something so they can sustain life going forward which i think is is the way to kind of do it sorry i'm rambling again no no not at all i mean this is amazing information we got to talk about this book this book my dad got sick it is an easy read but a hard read if that makes any sense. Yeah, I've never heard that before, but I get it. It's an easy read, but a hard... And I say hard read because you get so raw in this book um, that I'll be completely honest with you. I tried reading it several times, bawled my eyes out several times, which is why you'll notice I am not wearing any eyeliner today, just in case I start <laughs> to cry, because this book um, was very emotional for me. Um my dad uh, did have cancer, skin cancer, so not oh, the same yeah, as your yeah. father. And I remember the day that he said that he had the C word. And it was heartbreaking. And he went through treatments and is better now, thank goodness. Um, but now my dad's going through a new struggle. He is now a caregiver. And this book basically talks about your struggle as a caregiver going through the journey. And I will finish this book because it is good. But the amount of times that I've picked it up and just felt like that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm going through. And honestly, like it is so good. And I just want to basically start by asking why the book? Why why did you put this out? Why did you think about doing something like this? So, um, yeah, my dad was given nine months to a year to live and he ended up um passing away two and a half years after his diagnosis which i think is incredible um there were so many times doctors were like i don't know what you guys are doing but keep doing it right they're just baffling him along the way and i didn't share anything about what my dad was going through until a year and a day into his diagnosis because he wasn't supposed to see that year and a day mark Mm -hmm. and i made a blog post titled the blog post that science said wouldn't exist um, just to tell people what was going on where I've been why I haven't been much on social media for the past year and over that next year I started sharing a lot of my journey on social media different stories and it's crazy um, how much engagement those stories were getting like next level um, going back to these um basketball players or whoever I was I was photographing you know I'd post the photo of one of them online with me in there and some people would be like cool great shot this is yeah, you know yeah. and I'm thinking like 
he's a professional athlete and you don't care like that's my that was my mentality at the time it's like this should be the coolest thing ever and then when i started posting these stories of what i was going through um it was just night and day the engagement so then people started why do you think that is though and, and i do want to preface too by saying i i did say my my dad's a caregiver and it's because my mother has dementia and i didn't actually mention that yeah um and i don't really talk about it and i'm not trying to interrupt your story but um sure. i just want to say that the, the engagement that you were getting it's yeah. because you're being so real and raw yeah i think that there's a uh and i didn't realize it until i was doing it that the power of um being this vulnerable mm -hmm. is is insane because I think there's so many people going through it yeah. that are going through it in secrecy because um, of shame, right? And I think that shame can only live in secrecy. And if you're open about it, then that can't exist. So I hope that I was kind of um, a voice or inspiring people to realize that these things are real mm -hmm. and it's okay to talk about it and that you're not going through it alone. But you do feel alone. Like oh, I know, do. speaking to yeah. my father, who is a caregiver uh, for my mother, um, I, I guarantee you he feels alone. And, yeah. and, and in this book, there's a moment that you just, you talk about the day uh, in March. Yeah. Um, was it March 5th? 6th. March 6th um, was the day that you found out the oh, bad news. Okay, March 5th is when you found out the bad day. Mar yeah. yeah, March 5th. And, um, and, and you, you kind of talk about that moment where you're just kind of like, like what do we do and you must have been so alone in that moment and not knowing what to do and you mentioned that your mom took off to be yeah, alone yeah. and it's just such a private thing and for you to make it public and, and help all these people is yeah the one regret i made i think in the whole caregiving journey was that i waited too long to share what was happening because once once i did that then friends and family started reaching out here and there and i think that's important to have that support system around mm -hmm, you absolutely and i couldn't be mad that friends weren't supporting me because they didn't know and i wasn't telling anyone because i was scared i guess um so that's why i wanted to share it and, and once i started sharing the journey crazy things started to happen like people would private message me um hey my mom just got diagnosed with so-and-so um can and I, they just wanted to hang out and hear my story if I could help them. And I would do that, have one-on-one -on -one conversations. And this happened all the time. And so often, I mean, nobody knows about it because I didn't tell specifically who I hung out with, what was going on, but just shared what I had with them. And I think two years into my dad's journey, seeing the feedback from people, uh, knowing what I knew as a caregiver, seeing that people wanted these stories, it's like, well, I'm filled with all this knowledge. It'd be a shame to just leave it in there once my dad passed and nothing happened with it. Mm -hmm. And just balancing out what is the best way to get this out. And it, it, uh, I decided a book was the best way, which is so weird because uh, I wasn't really a reader um, and I was terrible in English in high school. And uh, as you can see how I speak now. Um, no, like honestly, and, and the yeah. way this book is written, it's it's very it's an yeah. I want it to it's, be like a, more of a conversation. Yeah, I that's guess. what it feels like. And uh, oh, but I mean, I had a great editor, and she made me sound at least somewhat uh, <laughs> smart. Uh, she, yeah, she was amazing. But but yeah, I want it to be a very easy read on that that way because my thing is that I don't want people spending a lot of time reading this book. I want them to read the book 
and then go spend it with their loved one. Right. I think that's the goal of of caregiving. It's it's to spend the most valuable commodity in the world, which is time, with those who need who need it. Right. Okay. So with that being said, um, you talk about. Uh, going back to that moment again where you know the doctor gives you the diagnosis you guys are sitting there going like literally you, you say that you and your mom are kind of like what do we do mm-hmm. what advice do you have for someone who may be watching this now or listening to this now um and they they get this horrible news what is the first thing that you recommend they do because for me i I remember the day my dad said that he had cancer and I had to go to work on the radio and I would be like talking on the air yeah. and playing, you know, music. And then as soon as I turned my microphone off, I'd be bawling in between every break that I had. And I remember it as if it was yesterday. Yeah, so what that, advice? That's gut-wrenching feeling yeah. in your stomach. I remember when that, that advice hit us. I mean, I didn't sleep for a while. Um and then I kind of went into this like survival flight, fight or flight mode and was like, okay, I'm, I don't care what the doctors say. I'm going to find a way to cure this. And I spent so much time on the internet trying to find cures and stories where somebody cured this stage four mm-hmm. lung cancer and nothing, you know, there, it was so deep that it was just devastating news that I kept finding so what i would have changed i think is um again telling people what was going on doing my best to not be alone because those are the times that hit me the most when i was alone and just thinking of it because when someone gets diagnosed as you know with with a serious illness the whole family gets diagnosed that's it and you're in this mode of of what to do next um so it's it's tough because every situation is different, but I would definitely advise people to reach out to friends and loved ones because you're going to need that support system. Um, you'll probably make a lot of bad choices along the way. And I soon found out that to stop playing doctor and just to play son and do, mm. do what I know best. And yeah. that was spend time with my dad, make him laugh, um, do what I can in that relationship than versus play doctor. But also at the same time, I was spending some time researching alternate forms of healing. I saw that, naturopath. Yeah, Yeah, so I think I talk a lot about, we went to a naturopath, which helped a lot in so many different situations. Um, Appetite, um, help him sleep, uh, mood, just things he was taking. Um, And I don't want to say that like a naturopath is the specific way to go more so don't be scared to investigate other forms of healing mm-hmm. right and there's so many other other different ways because these oncologists who gave the news to us um you know you have nine months a year to live based on what they know um what their schooling tells them what statistics tell them averages and that doesn't take into account um other other ways of, of, of medicine, you know, natural ways, exercise, nutrition, um, and love. So was he going to be healed fully? No, but we could extend the time that we had with him. And I thought I only had nine months to a year. And I was fortunate to, you know, go two and a half years with with him and, and develop. And there's some amazing times in that. Um, and 
it it also led me to um, some terrible financial times. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, even now I'm still trying to get out of that debt that I crawled into. Um, but it sucks. It sucks being in debt. But I think it would suck more living in a world where I knew what regret felt like. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know what regret feels like right now because I gave my time to that person. And uh, I feel like all your podcasts before were very like fun and energetic and now we're just kind no of like, and you know what though and, and maybe they were but that doesn't yeah, matter to me because yeah. you know what matters is that you know everybody has a story and this is yours and you know and i'm i feel connected to you because um you know right. i'm not i wasn't a full-time caregiver but i still feel like i am and i feel like you know i'm a caregiver to my parents to my mother who who has dementia and to my dad who's caring for my mother who has dementia and i feel like even though i don't have children they are my children yeah for sure it's you know it's interesting because um i had to at times shower my father and shave him see now you're gonna make me cry (laughs) and it's like when that thing came up of this is how dad's gonna get cleaned if you put him in the shower and put him on the seat and physically shower him. Uh, are you going to do it or not? It's like, yeah, it wasn't even a thought because I look at um, him and it's like when I was, you know, one, yeah, two true, years old, True. it's like, did he ever think, is Jay going to, should I leave him dirty or should I shower him? No, it's like, let's clean him. But so, it's hard. Like for me, it was hard. Like when I had to first do that with my mom, it was really hard. Well, for sure. It sucks because I tell people this, um, I, I, you know, you expect to do that when, when your dad's like 95, exactly, 100, exactly. When, when society tells you that's the time to do it, you know, yeah. they just can't move. They're so round. Like my dad was 64 years old when he passed away. And to so me, that's young. still young. It's yeah. It's very young. And at 64, just uh, showering him and, and, and shaving him. And it's funny, um, the time I shaved him, uh, he was in a hospice at the time. And not too functional anymore, but guy just hated facial hair, just hated it. And uh, so he's like, can you shave, or I need to shave. And I'm like, I, I got this. So he was kind of like half sleeping. And it's the first time I ever shaved somebody else besides me. And I was I was worried I was gonna like cut him or something, but yeah. uh, I didn't. And he, I don't even know if he knew 100% what was going on. But my, my thing was that when he woke up the next time and saw that he was cleanly shaven, it would have brought a smile to him for that like split second. Yeah. So it was worth that that time. And it's funny, like I didn't even question again whether I should do these things or not. It was just no, do them. And I think that's um, it shows the amazing values that my parents instilled in right. in me. Right. The, to to take on these challenges head on. Um, and figure it out as you go. And and this is another reason why I wrote the book because I was looking for something um, to, to, to read, to go offer, especially for young carers. I couldn't find anything. There's so many books out there, people who have cancer yeah. dealing with it, but not specifically the caregiver. So hopefully this is my way to help somebody in that position. And there's a lot of people too, I find, that, and I don't know if you found this on your journey where, um, they find out um, 
you know, a parent or uh, something has, uh, is sick and then they just decide to back off and not be there for them and, yeah. and then they regret it in the end. Yeah, I think that's a very easy thing to do because if you avoid it, then it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, th again, this is another reason why I want to get these words out there is to tell people, um, you might go in debt. You might only eat junk food a couple days a week. You might only do this, this, and this, but it's worth it yeah. because you don't want to know that other side when they're gone and you're like, I just missed the last year of their life. And even though I got to spend two and a half years with my dad and there were some God awful times, um, tears and, and whatnot, um, there was also some magical moments that I had with him. And I grew so much closer with, with him, he became my best friend because he got cancer. You know, that's right. unfortunate that that happened, but I'm gonna take that as a positive. Now, I, I wish I had written down the quote and I read it, but there's a quote in your book and I'm hoping you can maybe remember what it was. It's when you talk about um, one of the doctors said there's kind of three. Yeah, yeah. Do you, know what, do you remember yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about? There was like one, do this, so, two, do this, and then three. Ta yeah, tell he, everybody about he was, that. He was, he was saying um, what the three things are that basically like heal or cure cancer. Um, one was surgery, um, chemotherapy and radiation. And the third, he, they don't know. And when he said that, it was like, that's interesting because the third thing to me is, is hope, is love, is doing all those other things that science doesn't know about or tell you to do. Right. right? So right. that gave us a lot of hope. That's like interesting. If I can figure out or just even tap into a little bit of that third thing, then maybe we can keep them around a little bit longer and eventually realize to me that third thing was love. And we tried to shower as much love onto him as possible. And I mean, I think that uh, there are stories all the time of miracles that happen and it, it it's possible. And I think the fact that, you know, your dad lived longer than expected. I mean, that's a miracle in itself. I think so too. Um, but also disclaimer, and I even say this in the book that like, I'm not a doctor right. and that um, anything that we did might not work for other situations. It's more of like, here's the story. Here's what we did. You, you should try it maybe, but also investigate trying your own things um and don't really put off modern science or, or or medicine because some of it does definitely work 100 um but but yeah always also explore other areas that can contribute to potential miracles i mean i saw it so often the doctor saw it with with my dad um I'll tell a quick story if, if you want. Please. I don't know if you got to the chapter or not about him driving with his license. I did. Um, should I share that story? It's a beautiful story. So, so for the, the viewers, um, his his lung cancer spread to his brain. So his license was instantly taken away because of the idea he may have a seizure. And that killed him because like his independence was just stripped from him. Yeah. Uh, not a problem for me because I drove him anywhere, everywhere. I would have done it anyways, but it's funny that like I got to repay him back because when I lost my license um, for being an idiot, um, he drove me everywhere. So it's like, yeah, I'll be your chauffeur, like no problem. But there was also like, he hated that because um, he couldn't just 
get up and go to the store. Yeah. He always had to ask me, feel like a burden, which I never, I never minded, but he didn't love being helped. So months and months into the diagnosis, um, we asked the doctor, can he get his license back? There's no symptoms, no seizures, nothing. And the doctors plain out said to us, I don't know. People in his position have already died by now. So I don't know what to tell you. Wow. And yeah, I took that as a sign of hope that and a sign or positive reassurance that whatever we were doing was right. And I just worked worked my butt off to figure this out, made all these calls, the ministry, different neurologists, got him in for all these tests. And long story short, he got his license back. And the doctors were just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's it. going on. Yeah, but congratulations. Um, so he was driving again for a few months, and that made him excited. And he got his independence back. Yeah. I mean, we were worried sick, right, him being out there. But at the same time, it made him happier. And I think that was the best thing to do, just to get him in a state of happiness um, was the best thing for, for healing. And, you know, and I, I have friends and family who, you know, have had accidents and not been able to drive again. And when the doctors say, like, you can't drive again, they're devastated. Yeah. And, and sometimes you don't think, like, that's a big deal to be able to get up and drive whenever you want, yeah. wherever you want. And when, when someone strips that from yeah. you. I mean, it was stripped from me from, uh, for a year. I had my license taken away. And uh, I got very, very familiar with the Hamilton bus routes. And um, for anyone that, you know, rides that Barton bus, it's, that's a journey getting on that Barton bus downtown. Mm -hmm. That's scary sometimes. Um, so I, I know all about getting your license taken away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've gone through so, so much. And um, this book, um, you know, even though there are things in it that I don't personally relate to, there are other things that I do. So I think that this book called My Dad Got Sick, um, it, it's a great read for anyone who's a caregiver, no matter what situa situation you're in, because I think that there's little tidbits in there that you could use in any situation. And I assume that's why you yeah. wrote this. Well, it's funny you say that because when it first came out, uh, all my friends bought it. And I was really worried about that because I was, I was like, you're going to hate it. You're not a caregiver. That's you right. Know? And mm -hmm. I know you're going to say it's good because you're my friend, but I love honest opinions back. And I was very worried. But then they started telling me why they enjoyed it. And one of my friends specifically said, you know what? I wasn't really paying enough ten attention to my family. We're all healthy, but you made me realize that I should be showing them more love. Right. And I'm going to change my work schedule. I'm going to do this so I can do that and and you showed me that it's important um so i've been getting a lot of feedback from that one person a friend of mine called me and it's like my friend is going through caregiving right now um i don't know what's going on in his head and i would love to know that and he's very quiet about it mm -hmm. so if i read your book will i understand why he's doing some of the things he's doing and i'm like probably and it turned out it helped mm -hmm. So it's been helping a lot of different people. Past caregivers have been reading it and you know, they've been just understanding that what they went through, they weren't alone. Other people are going through it as well. And it's helping them with their grieving process currently. So it's been exciting to find how many different avenues that people are getting some positives from the book. Now you talk about helping people 
and this book sure is and i from my understanding it's available on amazon if people want to grab a copy of this book yeah yeah and we'll talk about that um and i can post the link as well below and um if you're listening you can just uh, search on amazon my dad got sick by jay perry and when you talk about helping people you've done you know you you had some bad things happen to you a long time ago and then you know you've kind of your life has kind of progressed progressed and you're realizing the the what's the word i'm looking for um the importance of surrounding yourself with good people and family and friends and then i go on to see that you have this other project that you're doing helping people and giving back and it just everything you do I feel like you're doing to the best of your ability to help people. I mean, the little girl in Haiti, your father, and tell everybody about the work that you do, not just around the holidays, but year round. Um, yeah, are you talking about like friends with hearts? You like know, Chris? I'm talking about friends with hearts, but oh, but I, I know there's other things you do, but specifically friends with hearts. I mean, uh, that just touches my heart. Uh, yeah, so friends with hearts um, is an organization that. We started in 2011, um, and what we do is we sponsor kids at Christmas, and we, we give kids a Christmas that otherwise might not have it, and that started actually after I got back from Haiti, my first trip. Somebody said to me, why are you going out there to help and not helping in your hometown? And hmm. I, I brushed it off, like kind of like, you know, shut up kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it started like affecting me a little bit and I found a photo of me at Christmas holding a toy that my parents had bought me and I, somehow I could just like tap into the joy I was feeling that day mm-hmm. and just realized that like some kids don't get to experience that. So I wanted to change that as best as I could. Right. Knowing um, that I might need help with it. But also one of the lessons I brought back from Haiti was how you know we understand that they're very financially poor but incredibly socially rich and i want to bring that social element back to canada and want to do this with friends um a local organization said it would be about 250 dollars to sponsor a family reach out on twitter hey do nine other people want to throw in 25 dollars we'll sponsor a family and then just people just get come back like yes i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm in and uh that year in the first year, the goal was two hundred fifty dollars. We ended up raising, I think it was fourteen hundred or something like that, to sponsor two families. Awesome. Um, one big family, one small family, and we did it as friends, which was like so, so incredible, and it just grew from there. And tell everybody how much um, you raised this year because it was a pretty significant number, and you were able to buy a lot. Yeah, this so in 2018, um, we did about thirty thousand dollars in between money and uh, gifts, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. But to to date, so we've expanded to five other chapters in North America. Uh, To date, I think it's just under one hundred fifty thousand dollars in monetary donations, and we'll never know exactly how many gifts were donated as well. Um, So that's amazing, though. Yeah, the easy way to do it is divide. Uh, 150,000 divided by 75 and that's how many kids we've given a Christmas to which um, I'm it's it's you know what I just started this idea in 2011 but it's the people involved that make it happen it's yeah the community that that helps you I don't donate a cent 
to friends with hearts. You're, you're just the guy. I just, I just the guy, the face, the idea. Um, I donate my time like significantly. It's a lot of time, um, but it's the people around that make it happen, and um, I'm very um, proud to call them all, all friends. I mean, you're just an overall amazing person. And, you know, before I wrap up, I want to say you have to come back on my, my show. I, I think that there's more that you can talk about. And I feel like you should be back on my show sometime soon. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always down to come back for sure. And before we leave and wrap up, I have to ask you, I ask all my guests, name three things that you are grateful for. Okay, so... Um family mm -hmm. uh i mean is family one or can i be specific on individual members you can however you feel grateful okay, great. okay so let's go with, uh family um my health and um you know i'm grateful for this opportunity right now and you know what i'm grateful for you because you um were able to share this story with me and realize that i am not alone and I appreciate this in this book. I appreciate very much. And even though I did not get through the whole thing because I cry like a baby, I will. And I know that this book is always there for me when I need it. And I also appreciate the fact that you brought me yeah. this amazing little bamboo plant. It's, um, what is it called again? It's called the uh, Lucky Bamboo. The Lucky Bamboo. So yeah, I appreciate that so, so much. And I appreciate you coming on my show. Thank, Thank you. you so, so much. Thank you so much.